0: Um, And the other thing I would tell people, because I heard people say this and wanted to say BS, uh, there are banks that will lend to you um, and will do 100% of the money in if there's enough equity in the deal. Hello, and thank you for joining us today on the Gentle Art of Crushing It show,
1: where we focus on learning and sharing with our listeners all there is to know about how to create success in our lives. This show stands on the shoulders of giants. Our mission is to empower and inspire our listeners to create the life of their dreams whilst having a blast in the process. Let's celebrate life together. Welcome to the show yeah, thank you so much for joining us today. So today's show is going to be a little different of a format. It's going to be a question and answer back and forth between Derek and I so that you all can start to get your, to know your hosts a bit better. So with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and pass the mic to my friend Derek and uh, get this get this party started.
0: All right. Well, thanks, Doug. I have uh, I have dug deep into questions to find uh, to get to know the real Doug Clark. So, uh, I have a, my first question is: What advice would you have for someone listening who wants to start a journey in real estate investing or maybe a business, but they're really struggling to overcome self doubt and or that fear of failure? That's that's a great
1: question, Derek. So. Um, ultimately, ideally, if this is someone who has a good amount of, you know, money in the bank savings, right? Um, I would consider hiring, you know, a consultant real estate investing coach. Um, not some outlandish, not that there's anything wrong with some programs, can be like $75,000 I'm aware of. I wouldn't personally do that. Uh, you know, I think there's a right time and place uh, for, for something like that. Um, but maybe something more along the lines of $150 an hour. You could, you know, something like that. Another thing you could consider is partnering with a mentor. okay? So what that can look like is you, know, you, you spend some time networking. you find some people that are currently doing real estate deals. And you ask them, how can I help out? If this is really, this is more for folks who don't have an awful lot of capital to invest in real estate. Um, Back to the individual that does have a lot of capital to invest in real estate. Some other things I would do really is give yourself a deadline, like, okay, let's say for the next three months, I'm going to read books, I'm going to listen to podcasts on real estate investing. I'm going to decide which way I want to go. Let's say I'm going to flip my first house. And then at the end of the three months, I'm going to begin the process of actively pulling the triggers. You set yourself another the timeline of like a couple of weeks or whatever. But the ultimate goal is to get your first property moving forward. So purchase your first property, um, you know, because walking through that, you're going to discover stuff that you really can't be taught. Or you can't learn in books, right? And failure is, um, is a part of it. So you're going to have you know larger size failures. It hopefully those don't happen very often, but small failures are a part of life. And so embrace those, expect them, and then have a game plan in the sense of, hey, my mindset is set on doing this. I'm going to continue moving forward. And again, that's where you know, using a consultant or working closely with a mentor can be incredibly value, valuable, I would say, through these fears uh, equates to walking through the fears in other words take action in spite of the fears and uh i I think jay scott he's the author of you know the book on flipping houses is also the you know they run the business show uh, at bigger pockets i believe him and his wife so yeah um yeah he said something along the lines of you know um He's met two types of investors: one who have bought zero properties, and then ones who have bought one property, which leads on to three to five to ten. They never stop at one. So, really, getting that first one done um, could be the ugliest, messiest thing in the world. However, you will be, you know, for the most part, grateful that you did that, and you can be, um, you can do those without losing money. However, the risk of losing money is always going to be there in investing. So. You know, come to terms with that, embrace it, and embrace your fears, and move forward. In, in, uh, you know, in, in spite of your fears.
0: That's a great answer. Thanks, Doug.
1: Yeah, thank you, Derek. And so um, now it is my turn to fire a question your way. And uh, so I, I, I don't know that we've ever actually talked about this, but um, my question to you, Derek, is when and how and where did you get started real estate investing? So like how long ago, um, you don't have to say what market you invest in, but like, you know, um, what, what sort of uh, niche that you invest in? Like was it short-term rental initially or?
0: Yeah. Um, so basically we, uh, in in um, 2011, we uh, decided we wanted to buy a rental property or I decided I wanted to buy a rental property. Uh, and my wife was like, okay, whatever you want. And so um, we started out and we started looking around, looking at different properties. Uh, it was obviously in the in the height of the real estate crash and um, there were properties everywhere. I definitely struggled with over-analysis and, and still at times do. Um, and by still at times, I mean almost daily. But I... Um, And so we went around, we looked at stuff, and then my wife found a house out in the country on 10 acres, um, and it was uh, in foreclosure, like many things were. But back at that time, uh, uh, HUD was going through and fixing the houses to try to get them sold. So this house had new paint and carpet, and if you know anything about the government, you can tell what kind of job it was. So it was a great job. Uh, And so we were like, hey, we could buy that ourselves and then turn our house into a rental. And so that's what we did. We, we, we bought the house, we turned our house into a rental. Um, you know, and I had listened to lots of bigger pockets podcasts. That's really how I got started. And, uh, we rented it to a lady that had lost her house in foreclosure. Uh, and, um, and she's still living there now, uh, 12 years later. So, um, yeah, that's, that's how I got started. And then we just kind of grew. Uh, we didn't grow with a great plan or strategy in hindsight, um, but we kind of started hunting other houses that were in foreclosure. And so we bought one about 20 miles, 30 miles away in a little town of, I don't know, a couple thousand people because everyone needs a rental there. And and then we bought a duplex through a realtor and um, and yeah, it just kind of grew. And then two or three years ago, we got into short-term rentals. and have a couple of those and manage some. But yeah, that, that's how I got started.
1: I love that. And um, how important would you say, um, you know, it is networking in building your real estate portfolio? Because like what I've noticed is is that's really common. The higher level real estate investors you, you come into contact, the bigger that individual's network actually is. So what are your thoughts
0: I think that I underestimated networking in the beginning, and I think the last couple of years, probably the last three or four years, I've recognized what a huge um, boost that is to people and getting in the orbit of those who are growing fast or growing big, um, and just having that that encouragement, that like-mindedness. so. 2021, So two, two and a half years ago, we decided to start a, a real estate meetup in our town and, um, we committed to do it for once a month for one year, whether anyone showed up or not, we did it at a restaurant so we could at least eat. And the first month, no one showed up. And the next month, two people showed up and the next month, four people showed up and the next month, like three people, you know, but, but now, you know, now we average about 20 people, uh, cause I'm terrible at marketing, but it's, you know, there's been some great relationships built. I met a guy that helped me flip a house this spring. Uh, I mean, there's people who have, have uh, I've been able to watch their trajectory and growth and it's been really fun and it's something I look forward to. So I think I think networking is good. And as I attend real estate conferences, that's where I really see the value of, of the people you meet. But, but as you said, everyone I've met who we would call successful on a larger scale has a very strong network of people they associate with. So yeah. I hope that answered that question well enough.
1: That yeah that's an incredible answer. And I love your first one as well. So I'm um, really, really uh, just super, super bad I of
0: that. Well great. Want me to ask you a question now, Doug?
1: Yeah, your turn.
0: All right. If you had an opportunity to have a conversation with your future self 10 years from now, so 10 year older Doug Clark, what's the one question you'd ask yourself and what advice do you think your future self would give you?
1: The one question that I would ask my future self is how, you know, how, how big should I go? Hmm. How quickly, how much should I risk? Mm. And I think my future self would tell me you should um, go easily 10X bigger, at least in the size of of dreams, right? Mm. In the size of income, in the size of how do I want my life to be in in 10 years or or three years or one year? So, so in other words, my my future self would, would, would say, look. You were put on this planet like everybody else was put on this planet to um, live the life of your dreams on your own terms. So you have to define, you have to do some introspection and go, hey, Doug, what do you like to do? How do you want to spend your time? How do you want it to be low stress? How do you want to create this amazing life and have it be fun and easy? Start asking yourself that question now. Is what my future self would tell me? My future self would also tell me look, you, with, uh, you set aside like a percentage of your income and it's going to be a majority of it that you're going to risk, okay? I would say 60%, okay? And you're going to risk it in the areas of where you're passionate. So, you know, for example, um, right now, um, I'm passionate about podcasting, okay? And I'm also passionate about multi Okay. Now, right along with that, my future self would tell me, you know, other people's money is abundant, just like oxygen. And, you know, he would also tell me so that working with mentors can help you to hit your dreams so much faster than you have done so in the past. And it also can connect you with folks that, um, you know, are willing to invest in your deals. Ultimately, you know, there's a lot there. there is a super big question, but believe in yourself, Doug. And I would say that to everybody, say that to, to you as well, Derek, and I know that you, you do. Um, but the audience here, believe in yourself more than you ever have. That's what your future self would tell you. Your future self would say, believe in yourself, dream big, jump out of the airplane, build that parachute on the way down, take some risks. Everybody's in a different uh, place in life. If you are beginning to you know, start real estate investing in your 70s and you're living just off of Social Security, that's going to look completely different than if you're 22 years old, a multi-millionaire. There are strategies for everybody to get started. If you're passionate about it, if you enjoy it, that's really something that you should be focusing on giving, giving your attention. So um, I'm not totally completely sure that I answered your question in, in fullness there. Um, did I leave some some
0: stuff out? No, I think that's good. I think that's good. Let me let me follow up since we still have a couple minutes in this in this little segment. What? Why? Why is that the question you would ask yourself? How big should I go? What? Why? Why did that pop to your mind first? Do you think?
1: Yeah, you know, I think that that has to do with the, with the, for a couple reasons, um, and <clears throat> ultimately because that question reminds me of a question that somebody asked me. Cardone, and I think this happened about eight years ago, where the guy asked Grant, you know, as he was approaching, he, he was in his later 50s, I think, getting close to hitting 60. And the guy asked Grant, you know, what would you do differently if you were to shoot back to, you know, age 18? And he, he said something along the lines of, like, I would have dreamt much bigger, I would have went much bigger in. Yeah, you know, ultimately he became—he's a billionaire now, as far as I know. And he also did that thing with the Discovery Channel where they basically stripped him of everything. I don't know exactly the whole deal, but he started from scratch and hit a million dollars in ninety days. So much of it is mindset. So much of it is self-belief. and We just limit ourselves like so much. So to have a conversation with our future self and my future self, I'm you know hallucinating is is very successful, and so. It's almost like having a conversation with a bigger brother that's a multi-millionaire that really, really loves you and really wants the best for you is kind of how I see that. So he would say, look, you are holding yourself back so much. Just let go. Have fun. Forget about the risk. And, you know, I really like the thought of jumping out of an airplane and building the parachute on the way down. Obviously, you know, real life, horrible idea, but it gets me out there. I'm feeling the exhilaration. I'm taking action and, you know, I'm learning along the way.
0: That's it's a great good. question. That's good. Well, thank you. How about you? What's your question?
1: So I have this question. It's pretty, pretty selfish. I have, um, you know, not flipped a home. So it's, it's sort of twofold. We can start, I guess, with how many homes have you flipped so far?
0: So I worked with a team. I was invited to work with some guys that were – starting a house flipping business. And together we flipped four, four properties, I think four or five. And I left, I left in the middle of the fifth or sixth one. And then I flipped one, uh, this spring, just my wife and I, we, we, that was our first solo flip that we did. Mailed the letters, um, had a call six months later and bought it. And, Um, put all the gray hair on my head that you see, but yeah. So, so I guess total of six ish would be what I would say.
1: That's huge. And um, what advice could you give to our listeners who are, you know, interested in flipping houses? Um, Just period. What advice would you give to our listeners?
0: Put everything in writing. Don't assume anything. I think that's the, if I could go back, I mean, I worked with a good contractor, um, and but I, I thought I I just kept a lot in my head. Looking back, I, I had a scope of work. I had everything in my head figured out. I had it written down, actually. I just didn't really share it and go over from day one. So there was some miscommunication issues. Um, and there were, you know, there's just some stress of numbers matter Uh, It's important for us. I think there are so many bad flips um, in the middle or as we wrapped up our flip, we purchased a house as a rental as a sober living property in uh, this earlier this summer that was also a flip that was terribly done. And that it made me want to hug my contractor for all the good things. So, we just, our goal in flipping a house, and I, I think other people's goal should be that if I knock on the door a year later, that the guy is not, I'm not embarrassed to have him show me the house and what we did there. So, we, we, we doubled our budget. I mean, we went, we went over our budget by twice as much. However, I should say that we were just saved by this crazy real estate market. So, um, we put it on the market and had five offers all above asking and three waived inspections. And, but I mean, it was, it was good. The other thing, I I think know your numbers, write everything down, have a cushion. Um, We didn't borrow a hundred percent of the, of the purchase price and the rehab. So I felt comfortable if I lost money, it was a good education. We had a backup plan to make it a rental. So, um and the other thing i would tell people because i heard people say this and wanted to say bs uh there are banks that will lend to you um and will do 100 percent of the money in if there's enough equity in the deal and i i uh you know the Taddy investor is a uh, very popular talking about a bank she uses and i thought well that must be nice to find the one bank in the country that does that and then uh I, I stumbled i was introduced to a bank here in my area that does the same same type of loan project. so i think you know you just have to keep looking but know your numbers have a backup plans put everything in writing it's always going to take twice as long cost twice as much don't don't try to make it work and i think flipping is getting more challenging lately from what i hear and see i'm I, but it you know I'd, I'd like to do another one but it is a little more challenging to find them so yeah, would you almost say okay um, when you are working on the budget? You know, pad it by hundred percent or fifty percent, and when you're running, and yeah, you can't sell. No, yeah, I do. I think have a budget. It's it. I I always do. Uh, when we started our first flip with our with the with the team we were working with, we had the GOK, the God only knows line, and we kind of up to ten or fifteen percent margin. Um. We were I I was a little off on these numbers because um, we added a second bathroom. And for some reason, I didn't think that was going to cost much money. Um, We paid our contractor by the hour. um, So we didn't have a set price. I I don't regret doing that. But it took a little longer because the bathroom took longer. Um, We didn't cut as many corners as we could have. But yeah, so I think definitely build in cushion. Don't forget holding costs you're paying an electric bill and a gas bill every month that it sits. You're paying the interest on the loan. You know, you're paying someone to mow the lawn if you don't have a lawnmower. So things like that.
1: And maybe throw some buffer in there when you're, you know, analyzing the deal. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 And I think that comes back to having a good backup plan. So what if I can't sell it? You know, uh, what if nobody wants it? What if you know? Can I rent it? Can I live with it as a rental for a while? Will it cash? Will it break even? My my analytical mind. I mean, I can develop three worst case scenarios for anything that could go wrong. So I I try to build in some ideas of what we could do. You know, of of if this goes wrong, here's what we'll do. So, um. But yeah,
1: love that. Okay, awesome. So, and, and, you know, that's going to lead me to another question. I'll hold on to it, though. All right. Um, you, you ready with another one for me?
0: Let me see what I've got here. Um, what would you say is a daily habit or routine that you do that you have found to be a very instrumental key in nurturing a positive mindset and keeping you on track with your goals?
1: Yeah. Um. <clears throat> if I could give three answers, cause I feel like, um, they're necessary, um, and I'll just fit them out cause I don't want to forget them and then go into more detail. Um, so exercise, um, mindset studies, wherever that is. And I'll, I'll touch on that. In out of sure. Okay. So, um, exercise, um, I was sharing with my dad the other day that, I really believe that euphorias are meant to be achieved. Euphoria is meant to be um, unlocked, not bought, right? So what I'm trying to say is that, um, and and yes, there's no harm in, you know, watching movies and downtime and recreational stuff, uh, as long as it's not harming you or others, of course. But um, what I am trying to say with that is that if I am feeling down in the dumps, I know, you know, 1,000% one thousand percent of the time that if I go, you know, do my uh, skateboarding routine, which I'm back to it now for about a year, and it still like scares snot out of me just about every single time, um, you know, I know that that routine, which goes about forty five minutes to an hour, will a thousand percent unlock much like elation, euphoria. I'll feel amazing. And you can get that from running. You can get that from lifting weights. So. Know, doing some uh, a long walk, so breathing the air and sort of pushing your lungs a bit will get that to you. um The second thing is, I'm a huge um, believer on studying success principles, studying success mindset, and I do do it daily. So lately, you can grab that from you know, podcasts. You've got the you know, Ed Milette, you've got the you know, Jason Trees, you've got. Turner, you've got so many awesome success mindset impact theory um, that is free, right? So that's a great place. And, and um, as you are going through this, you know, as you are focusing on success mindset, I would say you're probably going to want minimum 30 minutes, 15 minutes is good, um, 30 minutes a day. But what happens for me is every time I'm studying success mindset. I have these epiphanies, brand new thoughts and ideas that I'm learning and then ideas also. But I also am reminded, like, I forgot that, I forgot that concept. And that happens to me probably five, four or five times that I'm you know, doing this uh, daily, maybe I should say three, to be kind of conservative, but um, it's that important. Um, you know, There's that old saying, and I know it comes from kind of computer terminology, is like, you know, garbage in, garbage out with coding right good stuff in good stuff out and it, it is actually true i am so uh you know aware nowadays of you know too many you know mobster gangster movies or you know the godfather kind of thing it's going to give me some stinking thinking i be very careful about what i listen to music wise and um, you know the news is a huge one that can really give you a, a negative outlook on life and so i try to avoid those things and limit the uh my exposure to them um, and, and focus on success mindset. So, again, right now I'm listening to books. Okay, I'm listening to The Compound Effect for probably the third time. It's such a great book. And next I want to get into The Slight Edge. I'm also kind of listening to 100 Million um, Dollar Offers by Alex Ramosi. Amazing book. And um, yeah, I love this stuff. Um, now the. Last thing that I wanted to say, I think we just have a couple more seconds on this. Um, the answer is the mastermind. So. Um When you read the book, Think and Grow Rich, he talks about a mastermind, but really, if it's just you and another person, like essentially what you and I do, Derek, when we're talking about success, we're talking about like, you know, moving this podcast forward, we're masterminding. So Napoleon Hill in Think and Grow Rich talks about when you do mastermind, there's two people, right? You create sort of like a third mind. So for me, that's my wife. And so we will talk about this stuff in, in our big goals and like real estate investing and and even our dreams. And um, having somebody on your team that supports you in like unconditionally, like, like, will allow you to dream and not, you know, be a negative ninny and shoot your dreams down is incredibly valuable. And if you don't have somebody like that in your life, like, I'm happy to be that for you, audience. Just, you know, reach out to me. And, you know, I, I just think that, that those are, um, you know, Incredibly important, but that's that's a great question, Derek. I really love that. How important is it that we have a success mindset slash positive yeah. mindset and attitude?
0: Thank you. That's great.
1: Yeah. And one last thing, we really could go on for hours on this, but you know, gratitude, right? So
0: hmm. that's good. That's good. All right. What's your question? All
1: right. So this question, you know, I had a hard time just not throwing it at you a few minutes ago. Um, some of our audience members probably may have not heard of the Burr method. So, um, <clears throat> sounds like you had that as your plan B on one of the flips at least, right? Do you mind um, going over the Burr method and, um, you know, have you, have you used that strategy yet?
0: All right. So if, if I understand it right, you're putting me on the spot now, the Burr method is, is kind of a phrase coined by real estate investors of buying a property, rehabbing it. Renting it out, refinancing it with the goal of trying to get as much of your cash out. And so then, and then repeating it. So that gets you the burr. Um, Nailed it. Hey, yeah, I did listen to those podcasts. Um, I have not done that successfully well. I I mean, um, I will say, and I I don't, I've probably never mentioned this to anyone. Um, maybe than just a couple other close investor friends but my one my one key if i wanted to write a book we probably own i think we own about two million dollars of real estate we've put none of our own money into it um, and so in a way we've kind of bird um, but we we just uh, kind of we would refinance a property um, again remember what i said in, in another question and answer i i didn't work with a great strategy i was and still am very debt adverse. So all of my mortgages were on short-term mortgages and we were paying them down and I had no cash flow. And I was like, wait, we need some cash. And so we refinanced some equity, we bought some other things. We just kind of did that um, uh, and and rolled into some of those things. So, um, but I, I think it can be done. What I hear people say now is it's a little more challenging uh, to get a perfect burr. I. I think if you can get most of your money out, that's great. I don't. I think trying to chase a perfect bird, you can. You can we can always just create all these limitations for ourselves. if the numbers aren't perfect, and as speaking as a person who loves to overanalyze, uh, you can always find a reason not to do it. But I still think it's out there, and possibilities are there um, to to do those kinds of things. I, I, just, uh, I just I just I you know probably this the over analytical person image, just numbers matter. Numbers matter. And sometimes it's hard for me. I see some people post numbers on, on their Instagram accounts and I'm like, man, those, those numbers are not something I'd buy. Now I, I've, I've missed a ton of deals too. So, um, yeah, I don't know if I answered your question there, if I just kind of rambled on about my my thoughts and, no. um, but yeah,
1: you answered it really well. And you brought up a couple of other things that kind of want to dive into sure. a little bit. Um, you know, because um, you're, you're sort of touching on there at the tail end that, you know, basically there is different um, investment strategies for different personalities. And your investment strategy that, that how, you know, you are leaning towards is totally okay. If you feel comfortable, I actually am, you know, a huge fan of, you know, home runs in, uh, in baseball and, you know, in uh in real estate however i'd much rather just go the boring route and hit nothing but singles and have to be safe so I, I wanted to say you know that i really love the fact that you took sounds like a lot of times up you, you chose the 15 year fixed and you paid those those things down i mean that's an excellent strategy because you're really setting yourself up to where you can be snowballing these properties and you may not be cash flowing an awful lot right now but pretty soon here i mean they're gonna be cash flowing a lot and you're building a lot of equity so i really really actually love that
0: well in in transparency doug i have to turn in my dave ramsey card because i did go refinance them a couple of years ago and pulled out a bunch of money and put them on 30-year mortgages but we still we are definitely we we try to keep at least 50 percent equity in our properties just i have this weird theory of um my whole plan is if i were to get hit by a bus tomorrow my wife could unload the rental properties fast if she had to or if we just got into some kind of financial chaos that, that what i owe on the properties i could sell them tomorrow and so that's kind of been a rule of thumb i only have one property that's probably somewhat leveraged close to what it's owed i and i and that one i i might argue isn't but um but yeah that's Yeah. So, so I haven't kept them all on short term mortgages. Um, but yeah, it, it, I, I do think, um, yeah, I do think those things are important. And I think people getting over leveraged, I've, I've said it, I think I've said on one of our podcasts before, but I feel like you can tell a difference when you listen to real estate people, you can tell a difference from the, the men and women who lived through 2008 and 11 as an investor and the newbies there are the people who started after that and it's nothing against them. It's a different, um, it's just a different mentality. We've seen, you know, some ugly stuff, uh, and some great opportunities. So.
1: Yeah. And you know, the, um, a lot of people lost their, their shirts and then some in 2000, you know, eight, the, the crash or the, the, the real estate um, bubbled up first yep. um, and <clears throat> that's where yeah if, if you are super over leveraged you know and you're in kind of you know bad loans um, chances are if you got them within the past few years up until the rates started increasing in the 30 year fixed, they're probably excellent um, you know we had rates were incredibly low right um, however it, it, it is I, I hear what you're saying and that, that's the interesting thing. So like Rod Khleif, he's a multifamily investor in like a, a guru, real estate guru in Florida, right? He, if I remember his story correctly, lost, essentially, I think he had hundreds of single family residents, something like that, lost them all, and just over leveraged, plus there was really bad loans back then, 2005, 2006. Um, however, he learned from that, and he came back even stronger. And now he has, you know, sort of like rules that that are put in place to uh, protect him from the same sort of um, fallout. So we won't make that. So the the interesting thing is that the tough times, you know, character really is, um, we can learn it from a book. It's best to learn it from a book. However, you know, experience is an amazing teacher,
0: you know, in the sense of we're less likely to forget that lesson. Yeah, that's, I, I agree. I agree. So,
1: and uh, yeah, I think one last thing there, but one thing that we can, you know, silver lining to where we're at right now, the economy of inflation, the high interest rates, is that this will, you know, should be feeling like we have to be really careful with real estate investing right now. And so, hopefully, we are acting that way as well. And, you know, this if we can become successful real estate investors during this sort of uh, market, which is not as bad as like the the crash back in 2008. Um, If we can become a good real estate investor right now, then as the tables turn and we get back into a really good market, we should be excelling and we'll be grateful that we did. This is part of my argument because I know there's, people out there that are talking about, you know, the sky is falling, you don't want to start real estate investing. That may be true. If if the sky is is falling, you can start real estate investing without using your own money. You can just find people that need your help and start helping them. You can learn now, but it's better to get started now in some capacity than to keep putting that off because that could just be our fears uh, that are blocking us and we're just not being honest with ourselves 100
0: percent or aware of it yeah i agree i agree got time for another question or am i wearing you out yet yeah all right so i've known you doug i've known you i think did you join the did you join the mindset academy back in like 2021 through jason drees is that about the time you rolled in okay so, the only thing I knew about... I think
1: I, I started being coached first. Okay. Right. Only- but that, but that, that is about the time we met because I, I think I, I started, we started talking back then about starting a podcast.
0: Yep. yep. All right. So, uh, ever since I've met you, you, you have been what I would describe as a cheerleader to other people. So, I thought of this question. If you could share one piece of wisdom or a life lesson with the whole world what would it be and why do you think that's important for everyone to hear
1: you know that that's it so, these questions are so great derek because they're making me think about stuff that i probably would have never thought of right so i would say maybe one of the most important um, things to share and, and this is like as if i was speaking to my kids right is that every fear on the other side of it is you know this massive blessing. So, you know, if you have like a you know a, a bully, for example, and you decide to stand up to that bully, you will feel by by working through that process, you'll one you'll learn you know that a lot of it actually was just fear. Hopefully, you don't get pummeled over the situation. But if you do get pummeled over the situation, you'll learn I survived that. That wasn't as bad as I thought it would be, um, and you will feel. More empowered and more invigorated, and so this whole concept of fear, you know, uh, and, and fear holding me back, I'm very, very aware of, and it does get on my nerves. And so, one of the reasons why I am, you know, quote unquote, cheerleader for other people is because it is actually a tool that I use to be able to walk through fear. So, like for example, if I was going to do a public um, speech and there was thousands of people. I would be, you know, willing to go do that and make a fool out of myself right away. And I know that the key, you know, to actually doing that would be to focus on giving love, giving encouragement, um, and you know, helping other people believe in themselves um, more than they believe in themselves right now, because, um, this is, you know, something that, okay. So I look up to, I really, really, really look up to Les Brown. I really look up to Tony Robbins. I really look up to, uh, you know, folks, like Jason trees and, and, you know, and I really look up to people that they're 100% of the time when you're consuming their concept, they're not putting other people down. They are telling you, you can do it. And, you know, so for me, um, being an encourager, being a cheerleader, um, for other people, not only empowers other people, but it empowers me. So that fear, whatever it is, walking through it and A, knowing that, look, maybe this fear is that, Hey, I'm afraid to jump off of this cliff and and live, you know, I really want to do it. Um, I guess my point is, you know, there is a probably sometimes a better way. So like, again, back to real estate investing, I really want to get started. I'm so afraid I'm going to lose my life savings. Don't put your life savings up then. Don't use your money. Walk through the fear of getting started. And, and it could be that, you no, know, I do not really, you know, it could be that they're micro fears, right? The first one is reaching out to a mentor or the first one is building a network. Okay. Reaching out to a mentor that needs help. And then, you know, putting yourself out there, chances are you're going to get some no's, and continue to moving forward. Um, you know, so make it work for you, but don't let that fear stop you because a fear can ultimately grow so big that, you know, it's essentially like it, it, it destroys your Fine. life, right? It's, it's like the stake in the ground that they start the el- baby elephants off with a little rope. And then when they're adults, it holds them, which is, makes no sense at all. Right. Um, so that's why fear bothers me so much, and you know the truth is again on the other side of your fear is is a massive blessing.
0: That's good. That's good.
1: And again, thank you, Derek, so much. Uh, you know for your time, and I feel like this is so helpful. I want to continue doing this with with all the hosts, and we can all you know be um, sort of getting into each other's uh, you know business a bit more because really helps me, you know, get to know you quite a bit more. And, um, we didn't even dig into your, we, we probably dug into maybe 10, 15% of all your real estate investing experience, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And, um, you know, there's, there's just so much to be gleaned um, from there and it's very you know, uh, useful stuff. You're, you're basically like our wealth of knowledge. And so I really do, um, you know, really, really appreciate you and your time.
0: Yeah, no problem. Happy to do it.
1: All right. Awesome. Well, with that being said, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. Thank you, audience, for checking out another episode of The Gentle Art of Crushing It. I know that you got an awful lot um, from Derek and uh, hope that you got at least a little bit of something from me. And, uh, you know, I hope that the rest of your day is amazing.
0: Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen,
1: another episode of The Gentle Art of Crushing It. It was an amazing episode. We know we sure learned a lot and we hope you did as well. We want to take a second and thank you so much for viewing or listening to this episode. And please just know that we only ask for one favor, and that is to make this life magnificent. Thank you and have a wonderful day.